0: Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Barbados, Antigua, and Grenada to be venues for England T20 International and test tours to West Indies. Nigerian couple on the run for duping thousands of investors by Antigua and Barbuda citizenship. U.S. Senate confirms Puerto Rican Judge Gileppe to first U.S. Circuit Court of Appeal seat disney cruise lines environmental management plan for bahamas lighthouse project made public these and other stories on today's pulse of the caribbean caribbean news roundup for tuesday october 19th we start our report with a big announcement from Cricket West Indies. Staybrook News reports that Barbados will host a majority of matches in the next year's England's T20 International and test tours of the West Indies with Antigua and Grenada, set to be the venues for the remaining games in Cricket West Indies' most lucrative home tour. Cricket West Indies announced a match schedule and venues for the tour in January to March 2022 in a state. Yesterday, fully vaccinated fans will be allowed at the Kensington Oval in Barbados, where the first ever five matches of T20 International Series between the two teams will be played, and the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium in Antigua, which will host a warm up match and the first test. The second test will be played at Kensington Oval, while the final match is set for for the National Cricket Stadium in Grenada. We are delighted to be able to confirm the venues for this extended West Indies versus England T20 International and Test Series. The history and rivalry between the two teams create great anticipation for fans here in the Caribbean and around the world. These fixtures are a part of a bumper year of international home cricket running from January to August in the Caribbean, Cricket West Indies CEO Johnny Graves said. The T20 International Series would be played across a nine-day period from January 22nd to 30th, 2022, including two consecutive weekends of back-to-back T20 International Cricket. Following West Indies' white ball tour in India in February 2022, the regional side will welcome England back to the Caribbean for a three-match test series to compete for the newly created Richards-Botham Trophy. Cricket West Indies said the trophy honors two legends of cricket, Sir Vivian Richards and Lord Ian Botham, whose friendship and on the field heroics became synonymous with their respective teams' greatest test match moments. A West Indies versus England home test series is the biggest sporting and sports tourism event in the Caribbean. Dating back to 1930, when the first England team visited, these fixtures were steeped in history and a new chapter in this great rivalry. Will be written, this time with the prize of the new Richard Botham Trophy Grape Set. This much anticipated test series will start at the Sir Vivian Richards Stadium on March 8, 2022, before moving to the Kensington Oval for the second test match starting on March 16. The third match test will bowl off on March 24th in Grenada. The test series is a key fixture in both teams. International Cricket Council World Test Championship schedule which will determine the best test match cricket teams in the world by 2023. The test series will be broadcast exclusively live on BT Sports in the UK, as well as with Cricket West Indies exclusive broadcast partners in key territories around the world. People's Gazette reports that... Mamise and Elizabeth Ajitumobi, the Nigerian couple on the run for duping thousands of investors, to the tune, of 22 billion Nigeria Naira have obtained citizenship from the Caribbean islands of Antigua and Barbuda. Antigua and Barbuda passport of the couple and their minor children surfaced online hours after reports emerged that they had fled Nigeria after their Ponzi scheme, Image Global Solutions Limited collapsed, leaving thousands of investors stranded. The passports also showed that the couple had planned their disappearance months in advance to avoid suspicion amongst investors. It was not immediately clear how the passports surfaced online, but journalist Jackson Uday appeared to be the first to post them on Twitter where People's Gazette learned of the development. The countries offer layers of passport for sale at prices that range from moderate to exorbitant, selling between 38,000 to 261,000 at Saint Lucia, the Commonwealth of Dominica, Dominican Republic, Saint Kitts and Nevis, Antigua and Barbuda, amongst other islands. Federal crime suspects like former Nigerian minister Daisani Allison Maduke and another fleeing couple, Gloria Osai and Muyiwa Fulauncho, have purchased passports in the Caribbean to circumvent judicial consequences of their alleged fraud. Image Global, a micro-lending service to small and medium businesses, offered 22% as interest on loans, received and 10% returns to investors. Several victims on social media detailed how they lost between low five figures to as high as 500 million Naira. Reuters reports that the U.S. Senate on Monday voted to confirm Gustave Gelpi to serve on the first U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, clearing the way for him to become the second Puerto Rican to ever sit on the Boston-based appellate court that hears cases from the territory. The Democratic-controlled Senate voted 51-42 to to elevate the Puerto Rican Federal District Court judge to a seat on the First Circuit, despite Republican objections to his criticism of the U.S. Supreme Court's insular cases from the 1900s. Those rulings were instrumental in defining the legal status of Puerto Ricans and endorsed a notion that the people of newly acquired U.S. territories could receive different treatment than citizens living in the United States. Gelpi 55 has said that those rulings had racist underpinnings and has written critically of them. One ruling said the territories were inhabited by alien races differing from us in religion, customs, laws, methods of taxation, and modes of thought. During the Senate Judiciary Committee in July, Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, the panel's ranking Republican, criticized Gelby, for taking the remarkable step of calling the Supreme Court cases wrongly decided and calling for their overturning. In a written response submitted to the committee, Gelby said notwithstanding his criticism, the insular cases remain a binding precedent that he, as all judges, are bound to adhere to whenever applicable. The conservative dominated U.S. Supreme Court on November 9th mind is expected to hear arguments in a case that could give the justices an opportunity to roll back or even overturn the insular cases. Gelpe, a graduate of Suffolk University Law School, served as a federal public defender in Puerto Rico from 1993 to 1997. He went on to work in the Puerto Rico Department of Justice and serve as the Territory Solicitor General. He then worked at the law firm of McConnell-Faldes, until he was appointed in 2001 to work as a federal magistrate judge. The Senate confirmed him to serve as a district court judge in 2006. Galby is the sixth of U.S. President Joe Biden's 13 appellate nominees to win U.S. Senate confirmation so far. President Biden has been seeking to use his nominations to bring greater personal and professional diversity to the bench. The Nassar Guardian reports that Disney Cruise Lines has made its environmental management plan for its Lighthouse Point cruise development public after it was submitted to the Bahamian Department of Environmental Planning and Protection, the company revealed in a notice. Disney Cruise Lines is awaiting government approval of its Environmental Management Plan and Environmental Impact Assessment to begin construction on the $400 million project, which is expected to create 150 permanent jobs for Bahamians once completed. Disney awarded the main construction contract to American Bridge Bahamas Limited earlier this year. The Environmental Management Plan states that before construction begins, mitigation for the hard bottom habitats directly impacted by the proposed development will focus on transplanting certain coral species. A baseline coral disease and bleaching survey will be conducted prior to any coral relocation. If stony coral tissue loss disease is observed, Disney will work with the Bahamian Department of Environmental Planning and Protection on addressing any issues related to the disease and will coordinate with the Environmental Department prior to taking any action, the over 400 documents stated. Coral exceeding 10 centimeters in diameter within any area of impact will be relocated to a similar matched habitat in the Lighthouse Point vicinity. Species will be strategically grouped to account for maximum reproductive success while minimizing potential disease spread. Relocated corals will be monitored for a minimum of three years to assess the success rate of relocation and natural recruitment onto artificial reef piling substrates. Disney has maintained that the project will only move forward in an environmentally sound way. It calls for an open trestle pier and marina that do not require dredging, open-air buildings, walking paths, and a new public roadway and service roads. Disney Cruise Line has also pledged to only develop 16% of its 758-acre site and donate 25% to the Bahamian government. Nonetheless, local environmental groups continue to push against the project. Last week, Bahamian Executive Director of Re-Earth Sam Dumkin sent a letter to the newly appointed Bahamian Minister of the Environment and Natural Resources, Von Miller, urging him to meet with environmentalists and undertake a formal reconsideration of the proposed Disney project at Lighthouse Point including requiring Disney Cruise Lines to supplement its environmental impact assessment with additional analyses and consultations. The environmental management plan, which was just posted on the Lighthouse Point Bahamas website, states that Disney Cruise Lines will make every effort to ensure that the impact of construction on water quality in the ship berthing area and adjacent waters of the site will be short term and limited by using site-specific controls and turbidity measures. And finally, CARICOM and Chile agrees to further strengthening their technical corporation. Representatives of the CARICOM Secretariat and the Chilean Agency for International Corporation discuss the ongoing CARICOM Chile Technical Corporation program at a recent meeting at the Secretariat's headquarters in Georgetown, Guyana. The meeting agreed to continue with the existing overarching CARICOM Chile Corporation framework with more effective and direct interactions between the parties. Both sides also agreed to a program of activities over the next year, including the midterm review of the CARICOM Chile Technical Corporation and the convening of the third meeting of the CARICOM Chile Joint Commission. A draft MOU called human capital formation projects was presented by the Chilean Delegation for consideration. An invitation was extended to the CARICOM Secretary General to make an official visit to Chile. The meeting also discussed possible new areas of cooperation, including a trilateral corporation program among CARICOM, Chile, and Costa Rica. Ambassador Colin Granderson, Assistant Secretary General for Foreign and Community Relations, led a delegation from the Caribbean Community CARICOM Secretariat. Ambassador Granderson on behalf of the community expressed appreciation to Chile for the technical cooperation assistance provided to the region over the years, particularly in the areas of disaster management and Spanish language training, and assured the delegation that the community valued Chile's continued support and collaboration. The meeting ended with the parties agreeing to further strengthen the bonds of friendship and cooperation among CARICOM, Chile, and Costa Rica. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean Caribbean News Roundup for Tuesday, October 19th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and follow us on Facebook.